Welcome to the Sport Feels Life podcast, where we're bringing you interviews with coaches and athletes at the top of their game. This is a community to support coaches, athletes, and fans who share a passion for making the world a better place through athletics. We are serving our community and providing a variety of resources to grow and win as a team in the sports we play and the life we live. We are your hosts. I'm Ashley. And I'm Megan. And we're so excited to bring you all things Sport Feels Life. The Sport Feels Life podcast is excited to bring you the Mizuno Volleyball Series. Over the next three episodes, we'll be speaking with Mizuno athletes who have made it to the pinnacle of sport. Each athlete brings different stories and experiences to our conversation. One experience they share is they all have chosen to represent the Mizuno brand. Mizuno has been an elite performance brand for decades, helping volleyball athletes attain peak performance on and off the court. Shop now at MizunoUSA.com. Since her debut on the pro beach volleyball scene in 2006, April Ross has cemented her role as a champion and one of the most universally loved players on the tour. Lauded for her powerful serve, energy, and competitive drive, April's easygoing personality off the sand makes her one of today's most authentic, engaging, and accessible athletes. After nabbing several FIVB championships, including the 2009 FIVB World Championship, April and her then-partner Jen Kessie won a silver medal at the 2012 London Olympics. April partnered with Carrie Walsh Jennings for the 2016 Rio Olympics, sweeping every AVP tour stop en route to an inspiring Olympic bronze. April is currently playing with breakout star Alex Kleinman and aiming for Tokyo in 2021. Special thanks to Mizuno for sponsoring this episode of the Sport Feels Life podcast. Check out the April Ross Mizuno collection by visiting MizunoUSA.com. And now here's our interview with two-time Olympic medalist, April Ross. Hey, April, welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about this one. Yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. Why don't we just get started and you can kind of fill us in on your journey from when you got started, found your skills and passion for this sport and how you landed where you are today. That is a very long story. (laughs) I've been playing this sport for over 20 years now. Um, I found it when I was about 13. Um, I was a big soccer player growing up and my dad coached me in soccer and I loved it and thought, you know, this is my passion. It's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then um, my soccer team folded when I was in junior high and I was just absolutely devastated. And you would think like I I could just go to another team. I don't know why that wasn't an option. Um, Like maybe there were no other teams around me, but for whatever reason, it was like the end of the road for soccer. And um, my dad knew that volleyball trials were happening. And so he suggested I go and I'm like, I don't want to play volleyball. I just want to play soccer. I did not want to go. And he um, like eventually convinced me to go try out for this volleyball team. And I went and like immediately fell in love with volleyball. And I don't know what exactly about it it was. Um, But I think I felt maybe like a natural inclination to the sport, kind of like a natural 
like I kind of get this sport. I feel like I could grow and, and get better at it. Um, a lot of my friends from school were also on this team. And so I think that helped, you know, like you always want to be having fun. And so to have my friends there made it a little bit more fun, but I got into the gym and I was on, there were three teams and I, you know, immediately was put on the third team and I'm like, yeah, fine. This is like where I should be. I just got here. And by the end of that first tryout, I was on the first court with the first team and then ended up like making that first team, which I feel like I had no business doing. Like I had no business being on the first team and, um, you know, season started and I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't playing. I was sitting on the bench the whole time, just watching. And I slowly started getting opportunities to play. And honestly, I was just like deer in the headlights out there trying to figure out what I was doing. And if I touched the ball, great. I could just remember like having no idea what I was doing. Um, and then, so that was, that was great. That was in um, junior high. And then I went to high school and uh, it's a really prestigious volleyball high school, which I didn't really realize. And I was kind of lucky. Like I just, that was the high school I was going to and um, really good volleyball team. I went for tryouts and I still was, wasn't very good. And a lot of people are like, Oh, you're so humble. I'm like, no, I really wasn't very good. I like couldn't do the things. I didn't even know what the things were called that I was supposed to be doing on the court. Like there's sets and numbers and I didn't know what they meant. And, um, so I'm trying out and, um, just assume I'm going to be on fresh off or JV. Like if I made JV, I'd be stoked. Uh, and then I ended up making varsity and I'm the only freshman to make varsity. Um, and I really feel like that was kind of the catapult for my career. Like the fact that I made varsity my freshman year in high school helped me improve so much and gain kind of that competitive advantage um, amongst kind of my peers. And, you know, to this day, I'm a huge advocate for playing with people who are better than you and older than you. And even like, it was very, I was very uncomfortable. Like I didn't socially, I didn't get along with the older girls physically. I didn't feel like I belonged there. Um, and so I was very uncomfortable and just fish out of water the whole time. But I learned so much that year. And then I went back to, um, my club team in the spring and, things just started clicking for me in club that year. And I think it was because I had seen the older girls do it so much and was around that and um, really took off in that club season. And so I was playing middle blocker that whole time. And when I got back to high school, my sophomore year, I got moved to outside hitter and I did not want to do that. <laughs> uh, I fought against that. And that would turned out to be um, a really obviously good thing and um, learned how to play outside hitter. And we won CIF that year, um, went back to club. We won like the national thing in club, went high school, won two state championships after that. And then um, the, I, I pl always played for the love of the sport. Like I wasn't like, Oh, I need to be on the top team and win so that I can get a college scholarship. Like for me, it was just like, I want to be the best I can be. I, I was really competitive. I loved winning. I loved being out there with my team and competing with my team. And 
um, didn't give, I didn't really think that I didn't know about college scholarships and I didn't know that they were so big in, in women's volleyball. And so when the offers started rolling in, I was like shocked, like, Oh my gosh, I can go to college for free also. And you know, they actually want me to come to their college. Like, this is amazing. And so the letters kept coming in and my aunt and uncle both went to UCLA and I had a lot of UCLA people around me and kind of everyone just assumed that's where I would end up. And I did too. And I took a a trip there and it just didn't feel right. And because I was such a UCLA person, I was obviously anti-USC and just telling people there's no way I would ever go to USC. Um, told my club coach I would never go to USC and uh, the the coach who was there at the time he was the interim head coach Jarrett Elliott uh, you know want really wanted to come to a home visit with me and my mom and my dad and um, I said we said like okay you know why not so he came and just like blew us away if just everything he said seemed right and so took a trip to USC the same kind of feeling there like the girls were really welcoming it was a small a little bit smaller of an atmosphere um i had no idea how they were at volleyball i didn't know how ucla was at volleyball i didn't know how usc was at volleyball i was actually looking for kind of more academics and like what is going to set me up for the most success in my life down the road and i liked um USCE had really strong academics and um, their their alumni network was really strong. And so that appealed to me also. Um, So chose USC, uh, came in with an amazing recruiting class and made really good friends with all those girls, had a great time. And we ended up winning um, two national championships at USC couple or I had our our libero one of our liberos was from Puerto Rico and her dad owned a Puerto Rican professional team and so I didn't know that that I that wasn't on my radar either and so after I was done my with my senior season um, my coach McKaylee you know said you have an offer from this Puerto Rican team Deborah's dad or whatever and I said yeah like I'll go make some money off of volleyball now you know and so I went down there for three years and it's, it's a hard jump to go from college athletics to professional athletics um, because everything is kind of taken care of for you in college and you have to go into the training room. You have to get your ankles taped and you have to do weights and all this stuff. And um, then I went to the pros and I was all by myself. You know, like if I wanted to work out, it was on me. If I didn't want to work out, I didn't have to work out. And I, you know, was responsible for getting myself to the matches and what I ate before the matches and all this stuff. And um, it ended up, it was an up and down kind of process, a roller coaster. Uh, One year, you know, I really took care of myself. And then the next year I didn't. And I ended up really injuring my shoulder and my knee. And I just like, I don't know, it became, I fell out of love with the sport. Like it was just miserable to be out there playing because I was in so much pain. And also uh, being away from it, Puerto Rico is a short season comparatively for indoor volleyball and it's only like four months max, but just being away from my friends and family for that long, really, it wasn't conducive to my happiness. Um, I didn't make friends with the girls on the team. And so I just was not happy down there and it 
in pain and decided this is not what I want to be doing with my life. And I quit volleyball and said, I'm, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to use the money I made down here. I'm going to go back to school, get a law degree. I always wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and so that was kind of my plan. So I came back during the summer and got a job hostessing at my uh, stepsister's restaurant and said, okay, I'm going to go in this other direction. I think later in the summer, my ex USC college teammate said, I'm playing on the beach. You know, I need, um, I'm looking for a partner just to help me through some of the qualifiers or whatever. And I said, well, yeah, I'm just, you know, hostessing. I'm not doing much. Why not? Like I'll come out and just play with you and uh, no real plans to give it a real go. Um, but I got out there and to me, it was like a completely different sport. I same kind of thing though. Like I fell in love with it immediately. I loved being outside and the people and the culture and you know we were just in the qualifier we weren't making any money we were actually paying to fly around and be in these things and lose and not make any money but I just loved traveling and uh, those experiences and competing again and so I stuck with her for the whole summer I lost a good amount of money um, doing that and was actually considering going back to Puerto Rico I think because like I had lost money and I needed to make it up and I was like I'm gonna hate it but I can make it through four more months uh, and then Holly McPeak um, kind of came to me she's a legend in beach volleyball came to me and said um, you know I think you could be really good at this sport but if you want to be good, if you want to succeed, um, you need to not go to Puerto Rico. You need to stay and train here full time during the winter um, and get, you know, learn the sport. And I listened to her and I stayed and I trained really hard for the whole winter and spring and um, got together with Jen Kessie. She contacted me and we decided to play together and um, started doing really well right off the bat we made our first final on the AVP together uh, in our first tournament and then in the first real in the first international tournament we actually got into we ended up winning it was like a grand slam we were the lowest seed to ever win a grand slam and so that was kind of like okay you know this is what I'm doing and this is my partner and um, we ended up going to the London Olympics together and found ourselves in the finals of the Olympics, which I never would have expected and, um, came home with the silver medal, which I'm so proud of. Um, and then after that, I got together with Carrie Walsh. We went to Rio, got the bronze. And now I, um, am with Alex Kleinman and, um, we're very on track to go to Tokyo together and just, I, love playing with Alex. We're having a great time and training and she's very new to the sport. Um, when we started playing together, she'd only been on the beach for a year. So that was like kind of a fun challenge teaching her the game and seeing how good she's become in such a short amount of time. So I'm really excited for where we're at and where we're headed. And um, yeah, looking forward to Tokyo 2021. I'm actually you know, it was such a roller coaster when the pandemic hit and it got postponed. But now that we have this extra time, I just feel like I needed this extra time. I'm excited to have this extra time and prepare even more and um, hopefully be at a higher level when we get to Tokyo. 
Wow. What a journey. I mean, you sound so humble, but it almost sounds as if so much of this just fell into your lap. Just all the success in high school. I see you're also a national Gatorade athlete of the year, as well as, you know, a part of two national championships, a two-time Olympian. I'm not an expert on beach volleyball, but I think your career sounds incredible. And I was just curious how people even get into beach volleyball. So hearing your story, it sounds like there's just such a small group of women. It just funnels down and it's kind of based on maybe some sort of world rankings or national rankings. And then that's how teams are determined. How do you find yourself on that path? Like you are on that team for the Olympic. Yeah. So that's actually been like, that's a confusing thing in our sport. Now they have NCAA beach volleyball and that's more of a clear funnel to the professional game. But even if you come out of the college game, um, you have zero points on, we have a domestic tour. It's the association of volleyball professionals. We call it the ABP. It's an amazing tour and has supported the dreams of every Olympian so far. That's where we can play to make money. So you come out and you're in the qualifier for the ABP. You start with zero points. I mean, unless you're able to snag a partner with some points, maybe you jump up a little bit, but almost everybody starts in the qualifier on the AVP. And so you work your way in, you work your way in. If you make the main draw, it's like tennis. You make the main draw, you can make, start to make some money. And then after you fight your way in the main draw and you start to have some, some success, then you're kind of like, well, maybe we give the international game a shot. And the, F, the international tour is the FIBB, and that's where you earn Olympic points. And so you can only, they have a country quota. So only four, the top four teams from each country can play in these FIBB events. And so if you're the seventh team or below, like you have to have this playoff with the other American teams. So the top three will get in, and then that fourth team is in this country quota playoff. And the person who wins this country quota playoff, which is which is in the country of the tournament that's taking place. So you have to fly to this country knowing you might not get in, even get into the tournament. You have to play the other American team. So I did that a few times. Um, so if you win that, then you're in the qualifier. So you're still not in the tournament. You're still not making any money. You have to battle through the qualifier with all these international teams. And then you get into the main draw of this FIVB tournament. And that's when you can start making money and um, getting Olympic points. My first AVP tournament with Jen, we made the finals of the AVP. And then my first, my actual, my first international event, we lost in that country quota. So we were in Paris, which is not the worst place to lose a country quota, I guess, if that's going to happen. Um, and the next one was in Stavanger, Norway. So we stayed in Paris all week and we trained and we had to pay our own way. And I really hadn't made any money in beach volleyball yet. And, and Jen, you know, was trying to save money and stuff. And so we're like looking for this hotel. Where do we stay? It, there was some aviation conference in Paris that week. So everything was super expensive. So we ended up staying at this like rundown motel right by the Moulin Rouge and it was so seedy and loud and but we stayed there all week and trained went to um Norway had to play that country quota again but we ended up winning making it through the qualifier and then we won the whole tournament so that was a huge jumping off point and gave us a ton of points and then we were in the main draw from that point and could kind of continue to um accumulate Olympic points. 
What you're speaking about like having to make all these arrangements on your own. There's no one being a liaison for you in these situations. How do you get in the mindset to play a game when you're staying in a place that's not ideal for, for doing that and keeping your Zen vibes? Yeah, it's, uh, I really never thought about it that much. For me, it was all intertwined. So getting to go compete in these places was, you know, a part of the experience. The other experience was getting to travel and see the world. And so I, I would, I don't think very often I was like, oh, this place sucks. I'm uncomfortable. It was always a fascination with the place. Like even when we go to China and the food is not what we're used to and we have to bring a lot of our own food, it's still really interesting to like see that part of the world and have to deal with it all. And so for me, I don't think about it in a negative way really ever. Like it can be kind of a grind sometimes and you maybe get sick of the food or it's a little bit tough to sleep, but then you just, you learn tricks and tips as you go and like ways to help you sleep and you start to get your routines down and all of that helps. Once you get on the court, wherever you are, you have to just pretend like everything's fine. You know, like, okay, maybe I didn't sleep or get to eat what I wanted to eat, but you know, none of that matters. Like, why would I dwell on that when I'm trying to win a match? Like I might as well just, you know, convince myself that I feel great and I can crash afterwards or whatever. And I think just trying to be mentally tough in that way and understanding that the only thing that matters in this moment is how am I going to win this match? What I'm hearing you say is maybe you're creating a scenario in your own mind where you always have the home court advantage so that you always feel at home anywhere that you go. So what maybe three strategies do you use to tell your brain that? Well, (laughs) I mean, like now, because things have escalated, definitely. I always travel with a mattress. So it's like a step up. A lot of people bring their own pillows. I bring my own mattress. Um, it's like this three inch foam pad and it fills an entire duffel bag. And I show up to these places for a week and I have like three huge bags, but I'm like, why would I not bring everything I need to feel comfortable in this space? And so I just bring whatever I feel like I need with me. And I think making your hotel room super cozy is huge for me. And I always have like, you know, I have really cozy sweatpants and I bring a book and sometimes I bring a candle and, and some tea. So just to kind of replicate my, my routine at home a little bit also um, is really helpful. I bring um, snacks that I eat at home. So I always have like my post game snacks and yeah, I mean like all my gear is the same. So I think, You know, the scenery changes, but I just try to replicate my routine everywhere as closely as possible as I can. I'm definitely going to have to steal that mattress trick when I'm traveling around to different pole vault competitions. That's genius. I love it. You just sound like you really make yourself feel comfortable and feel at home on all of these trips. So I guess I'm curious, what part of your actual training and workouts do you feel like? gives you an advantage over your competition in these big matches? I I mean, that's a, that's a tough question because obviously everybody's trying super hard to have that competitive advantage. And I think understanding that in general, knowing that you have to kind of like go above and beyond everyone else's above and beyond, you know, um, because it's hyper competitive out there. Uh, 
But at the same time, also knowing that you can't control what other people are doing. You can't even know what other people are doing. So to control what you can control. And I'm a big fan of, you know, competing with yourself and not really comparing yourself to other people and really honing in on what training is best for you and helps you perform the best. Um, and I, that's changed a little bit over the years. And, um, you know, I used to do circuit training and high reps, low weight and kind of higher cardio, um, lifting type stuff. Uh, and I thought that's, was the best way to go. Um, I switched to Olympic lifting and now I feel like that's, that helps me perform at my best. And so I'm, I'm a huge weightlifter. Um, and then I hate conditioning and, uh, it's really hard for myself to get myself to do it, but it's been a commitment, um, for a long time now to make sure I'm doing my conditioning in the sand. The more that I hate it, the more often I do it. Um, so I do those conditioning workouts and, um, I think having an open mind is huge for coaching. Um, and the old, the kind of longer I play this game and the more I think I know, the more I have to convince myself to stay open to new information and um, continue to remember that being uncomfortable is the only way to grow. And so to this day, you know, I, try not to fight, fight back against feedback and um, trust that my coaches know where I need to improve. Um, so giving up some of that control and having trust in my, my coaches, I think is, is big. Um, and then, I mean, partner choice has been huge for me. I feel like I've been super lucky to play with really competitive, talented, partners and um I got together with Alex and Alex it was it was um not a clear cut choice for me after Rio and um I I kind of narrowed it down. I had these two options and one was kind of a more established player with plenty of points and we would be right in the main draw like I talked about and then or there was Alex who was really physical um hadn't had any success on the beach yet zero points, we would be in that country quota. And um, I, you know, decided my gut and after talking to Alex and, and hearing what she had to say and just kind of her values and stuff, I said, this just feels like a better fit. Like I know it's a risk, but I'm gonna go with Alex. And, um, you know, thankfully it's real. it's definitely worked out and she's worked really hard and become this really dominant, amazing player. And so I'm just, lucky to have another great partner. I'd like to kind of address the topic of coaches and your experience with coaching. We have a lot of club volleyball coaches who listen and are part of our community. I'm wondering if you have any experiences with your coaches that were really positive, that were useful, and could speak to maybe some of those things that you learned from your coaches that helped you where you are now. I have had really demanding coaches my entire career and yeah, starting from that club team in junior high all the way through college, I feel like all my coaches were really, really hard on me 
and it was kind of like a challenge in a way like are you going to you know let this person make you feel like you can't do anything right or are you going to fight back and kind of say like oh you don't think I can do this like I'm going to show you and it was definitely tough and um one thing that really helped was having the support of my team and you know we all kind of would band together and say like we can do this and it doesn't matter if he thinks we're playing bad like we're going to show him and um that was pretty consistent i'd say for my whole indoor career and um i like i said it was tough going through it but afterwards and now i'm very grateful for it um i feel like they pushed me to be my best and anytime i wasn't being my best you know they let me know about it and um kind of it really motivated me to have this chip on my shoulder and always you know prove people wrong and um yeah i feel like without their kind of toughness on me i wouldn't be where i am and so you know it's it's a fine line and i know the culture has changed a lot and um there's a different kind of cult, uh coaching culture and strategy um but i do think it's important to push your athletes you know and um the beach is a lot different because we hire our coaches. And so we're kind of like, we could fire our coaches if they yell at us too much or make us too upset. Um, and so it's been more about encouraging my coaches on the beach to really be blunt with me and let me know when I'm not um, performing at my highest level or when they think that I'm not bringing everything that I have to practice. Um, so that's been a little bit tougher of a dynamic, definitely like nicer as an athlete kind of, you know, like I haven't had to deal with it as much, but I do think there's value in it. And so I try to get it out of my coaches where I can. It sounds like, I mean, in this sport in general, it, it comes down to chemistry on so many levels, you know, with your partner, if you have the two best players put together but you have zero chemistry it's just not going to work and then I'm sure it's the same way with the coach it's finding that balance between pushing you know to push your limits but also not being too soft and so yeah I'm sure it's difficult to find the right coach so how long have you been with your current coach um we actually just had to make a coaching change which um was unfortunate and we didn't want it in any way, but it was, it was a product of, um, the whole situation with COVID and the pandemic and the Olympics getting pushed back. Um, we kind of had our current contract with, uh, the coach we were with through the Olympics and then she was going to move, uh, her family to Maine, um, in, in August. And, um, so the, the Olympics got postponed and we kind of brought it up and we couldn't work it out. Uh, we couldn't, you know, she was committed to going to Maine and her husband was changing jobs. And so we just couldn't, we couldn't make it work. Um, and she was a great coach and she, she was actually my partner from London. So she had retired and, um, after Rio, I didn't know who I was going to have coach me and I approached her and, you know, thought she would be a good coach, asked her to, to jump on board and she did. And, um, it was great and it was a great run. And, um, she really helped Alex and I become the team we are. 
Um, but we had to part ways this summer and, um, the same exact situation was happening for somebody else. So the coach we ended up getting was coaching in the Netherlands program, beach volleyball program. So she was an American, but she was over there and she'd been coaching there for six years. Um, and when the Olympics got postponed, she was like, I can't do this to my family any longer. I can't be over here for a whole nother year. And she didn't want to leave, but she knew that she needed to. And so she was coming back to the US, didn't know what she was going to do. And um, it was just kind of this, crazy coincidence and you know we approached her and um, she was willing to jump on board with us so now she's our coach and I really like I like that we have a female coach you know I like that we had a woman coach before I had never had a female coach before um, and we wanted to continue that and so the fact that um, we have another female coach is is awesome and so we're just trying to find that chemistry now actually um, with our new coach and trying to get to know her a little bit better. We have lots of Zoom sessions. Uh, even when she was still in the Netherlands and we knew she was gonna be coming back to be with us, we started having um, team meetings and we have through the U uh, United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, we have um, kind of like team coaches. So people that facilitate you know, um, dialogue and um, stuff that's gonna help us get the right information out of each other. So uh, we invited him to come in and, and facilitate our team meetings. And so those were really productive. And uh, right now she's having us go through the entire 2019 season, every, every single tournament that we were at. And she wants to know like as many details about it as possible. And like, you know, what worked for us, what didn't work for us. So we're just trying to communicate at this hyperspeed elite level and try to kind of download everything to her so that we can get all on the same page and she's asked us you know like what kind of feedback do you guys want and so we had that conversation like you know you can be hard on us be really blunt with us please tell us and um yeah i would say chemistry is huge for a team partner wise and coach coaching wise um and you know i don't at the junior level you don't have that kind of communication you know it's like your coach is going to tell you what they want you to do and that's that and you have no say in it. And it's a really fun thing to be a part of in beach volleyball and as a professional to kind of create the culture on your team and kind of the dynamic between everybody. I wish so many of these younger kids could get in on that process on their own teams. I think it would really build their confidence and help their teams to even excel even further. But it's definitely one of those things that's hard to break what's been instituted for so long. Yeah, and I think, you know, sports psychology is becoming so much bigger in every single sport and at the junior level. And I feel like this is a part of it, you know, and to have kind of team meetings. I never had one team meeting as a club athlete in high school, you know, and just to create kind of that atmosphere where people can share and you can be collaborative I think it's going that way a little bit, but I agree. Like I think having a say and having your voice heard makes you buy into the process even more and want to want your team to succeed even more, the more vulnerable and open you can be um, with each other. So yeah, I mean, I hope it continues to go that way. Absolutely. Me too. Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, and I do, I just really want to talk about your partnership with Mizuno. They were so kind to connect us and I just would love to hear about how that came to be in your collection and all of that. 
Yeah. So in beach volleyball, like sponsorships are huge and this is my career and um, to be a partner with Mizuno is really important to me. And, um, you know, it's, it's essential to me really as a professional athlete. And so um, after that run at London created a bigger platform for me and then Mizuno came to the table and said, you know, we, and, NCAA college athletics, uh, college beach volleyball and college was starting. And, um, I think they saw the opportunity there and they thought, you know, let's get April and create a beach line and, and make sure that we're catering to this, um, kind of category category that's growing. And, um, my, another ex teammate at USC was working at Mizuno at the time. And so she reached out to me and she was my roommate on all the, on all our trips. And I love her. And I was like, this is a no brainer. And it was really indicative of my relationship with them because she's moved on, but like, it still feels like a family, which is really important. You know, like anytime I need anything, I can reach out to them and they're super responsive. They support my, you know, charitable efforts, whatever I need from them. I feel like they're there. And that's really important, important in a partnership. And then after Rio, so they stayed with me for the four years. They helped me create my competition suit for Rio, which was a really fun um, experience. And I don't know if it had been done before. We created a custom suit. It turned out really well. I feel like it got a good amount of press and um, I still love that suit. Uh, but after that, um, we started to create my own line, my April Ross um, clothing line, which, you know, if I, if you had told me that that was something I was going to do at the beginning of my career, I never would have believed you like to have your own clothing line is so it's one of my favorite things I've ever been able to do in my career. And I just feel like it's super empowering. And, um, for hopefully young female athletes see that, you know, these female athletes, these pro athletes, female pro athletes have their own line and kind of expands what they believe is possible. And so that's a huge kind of theme for my AR by Mizuno line. And, um, I don't know, I just, I love it too. And it's very different from, you know, what you would wear indoor. And so there was kind of this void that needed to be filled and, and it's just different attire on the beach and different things that you need. And so I feel like we've been able to do that. And it's also kind of like athleisure and you can wear it, you know, to class afterwards, before, to coffee, whatever. I wear it all the time. This is part of it. Um, what I'm wearing right now, but yeah, no, I, I love, being a part of Mizuno and um, hope that it continues. Um, and then there's such a volleyball centric um, brand. You know, I think when even growing up and you see a lot of apparel companies have, you know, in quotes, volleyball stuff, but a lot of times it's not volleyball specific and it's not a really big part of their line. And, um, Mizuno is always front and center in the volleyball world and really catering to what volleyball players need. And I really appreciated and respected that. So, um, I just feel like it's a, it's a good fit, you know, volleyball is such a big part of my life. And so it goes both ways. Yeah, that is first of all, so cool to just be a part of growth with a company and have your own clothing line and just feel that support like a family from a company. So, I mean, I'm happy for you to have that. That's really fortunate. Um, so April, let's hear what's next for you and what are you most excited about? 
it's a little bit uncertain what's, you know, immediately next for me because a lot of our stuff, a lot of our competitions has been canceled, have been canceled. I think because we don't have competitions this fall, we're going to go down to Brazil and do a training, a training block in Brazil, which I've never done before in my career is like go do two weeks somewhere and it'll be super hot and we'll get to play with, you know, against all the Brazilians who are all really good. Um, so that'll be really fun. And then, um, season is supposed to start for us. I think March next year. So hopefully the whole pandemic situation continues to improve or, you know, goes in the right direction and we can, we can have those competitions, but you know, the big thing on the horizon is definitely the Tokyo Olympics and um, want to go in guns blazing there and um, go for that gold medal. Yeah, so that is definitely what I'm focused on. Um, also, you know, building my brand and revamping my website and um, potentially coming out with like an ebook and some some videos and um, like I said, we have this extra time and I really want to maximize it and I need, I'm going to need to move on from volleyball at some point. So trying to, you know, start building that platform for that eventually. Um, but it's all about volleyball still right now and I have no plans to retire. So, um, just trying to get better every day. Yeah. And just do it as long as you can. I mean, that is so incredible to have a career like yours. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. And just like you said, I want to keep doing it as long as I can. I think it's such a huge testament to just like who you are as a person that you keep throughout your life. You've just shown up and said yes and kept going and just kept like you were doing things that you weren't even dreaming of, but you were still saying yes. And I just think it's so cool. So we just are so grateful for your time today. Well, thank you guys so much for having me again. What a journey April has had. I love that she just kept showing up and saying yes as she honed in her skills and developed a love for the game early in her career. Yes, it is so incredible to hear April's journey just being centered around her love of the sport from an early age and how she gained so much from playing varsity her freshman year with people older and better than her. I think that helped to accelerate her career and help her continually rise to the top at the high school, college, and pro levels. I also love how she opened up with us on how her career almost took a big turn after some injuries to where she actually considered becoming a lawyer. Good thing she found the right people at the right time to stay on her path to becoming one of the biggest volleyball stars out there. Once again, we'd like to thank Mizuno for sponsoring this episode of the Sport Feels Life podcast. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe and consider leaving us a review so that others can find us more easily. It really means a lot to us and it helps us get the word out. And we are always on the hunt for new stories to share here on our show. If you know someone who would be a great guest, tell us their story by nominating them at our website, sportfuelslife.com. Thanks for listening.